Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. A newer, cheaper COVID-19 vaccine. There is now a new and cheaper COVID-19 vaccine available for countries to utilize. This new vaccine, Corbivax, can hopefully close the immunization gap between wealthier and poorer countries around the world. Corbivax uses protein subunits of the spike protein from COVID to train an immune system how to respond to the virus. Vaccines like Moderna and Pfizer use mRNA to code for the spike protein portion, and then that creates the immune response. Corbivax just delivers a spike protein directly. The vaccine requires two doses like many other vaccines on the market. It was developed in the U.S. by co-directors of the Texas Children's Hospital Center for Vaccine Development at Baylor. Their research on this vaccine used previous research from the 2003 SARS outbreak. They were able to modify the spike protein and soon created a vaccine that was available for clinical trials. The clinical trials showed a 90% protection against symptomatic COVID-19 from the first strain. Again, that's the wild type strain. That was the strain that emerged out of Wuhan and 80% against symptomatic COVID against the Delta variant. This vaccine is well-designed to be used around the world. It will be relatively easy to produce at a larger scale for most countries and will be relatively inexpensive compared to other vaccines. In addition, the vaccine can be stored at the temperature of a normal refrigerator, making storage and transport far easier. There's no patent on the vaccine, allowing it to be replicated in other countries, removing a large cost-prohibitive factor. Funding for this vaccine came from philanthropists, and no one is looking for a huge financial gain or profit out of it. It is perfectly designed with a global health mindset. The vaccine is being further investigated for its efficacy against the Omicron variant. This is a huge step in creating vaccine equity worldwide, a problem that is truly detrimental and has become drastic. Wealthier countries are on third and fourth round boosters, whereas poor countries struggle to find the first round of vaccines. Hopefully, Corbivax will be a solution in creating vaccine equity worldwide. Addressing the public with empathy and compassion. Nothing is worse than getting lost in medical jargon or even worse, receiving cold orders with no explanations. Some public health officials did better than others when addressing the public thus far in the COVID-19 pandemic. Some became instant favorites for many living in the household of Brooklyn natives. Dr. Anthony Fauci's manner of straightly addressing the public in a way that seemed so familiar to them created such a strong appreciation for what he was saying. 
Aparna Bowl, an associate professor of pediatrics at Case Western Reserve University, believes that public health officials should take lessons from pediatricians on how to deliver news and instructions to the public. I love that from pediatricians. I love that. She believes that so far the rhetoric and instructions about the virus have been absolutist and judgmental. And this has led to the erosion of people's trust in public health officials and institutions. Boyle says that public health communications should strive to embody the communication tactics of a primary care pediatrician, utilizing empathy and nuance. Physicians employ these strategies regularly to explain illnesses and their treatments to children and their parents. If met with skepticism over a certain treatment, a pediatrician might have empathy and patience, taking time to explain to the family why medication is safe and effective. With this comes honesty and humility. It would be wrong to overstate benefits and understate risks. A physician must find a way to explain all relevant factors to the patient and ultimately give the patient the autonomy to decide what's best for them. Another important factor is setting clear goals for the patients, what methods of intervention will be taken, and what goals or metrics they are working towards. Lack of a clear plan or path forward can be very frustrating. It is beneficial for public health officials to address everyone with empathy and care to make sure that everyone knows that they will be cared for unconditionally and they will not be judged and they can make the decisions they feel are right for themselves and their families. Empathy and compassion can be concrete steps toward rebuilding the public's trust in large public health organizations and officials. I love this because this is 100% Correct. I think the biggest thing that I've seen is that people forget, like these officials forget that they're talking to actual people. Like you're, you're not just reading a statement, a press release, like you're talking to people. How would you like to get information and health information and news that could really, you know, change the path of your life? Right. Like you need to be informed. Yes. But how would you want that information given to you in a way that's palatable, understandable and makes sense? Right. So why can't we do that? Why can't we expect the other side from our physicians? Well, I think it's more than that. I hope you and I are both professional broadcasters, uh, communicators in the realm of healthcare. And it has been an incredible challenge. I think this is an interesting story. I am an adult doctor. I'm not a pediatrician. So I've not seen any studies showing that pediatricians are better off at delivering health information. It would be interesting to see if that's the case. I don't think that the field of pediatrics automatically makes you a better health communicator, but I understand the course. I understand what's being said here. But, but, but that being said, I think the important point here is that as public health practitioners in COVID-19, what we failed to get the point across, and I've said this repeatedly on Noise Filter, we started this podcast as a result of this, was that the failure of communication at the level of the CDC, as well as at the administration at the White House, was there should have been weekly meetings that started off with, this is what we know, at but the moment, this, at the moment, <laughs> but this will change. That's right. And next week we'll have updated information. Right. And that to this day, they still need to be doing that. Obviously, we're starting to see COVID in the rearview mirror. Thankfully, we're going to start to get into a point where we're going to be seeing indemnicity, where we'll be seeing waves of COVID kind of come and go. But what we missed out on, and one thing that I'm advocating for is getting communications being taught in medical school. 
tools. A hundred percent. But what we missed out on was informing the public that COVID-19 was a scientific experiment or a scientific process that we were learning in real time. Yep. So it wasn't like any other disease process that we've known about or learned about in medical school. We were all learning about it in real time. And I think that was the key failure that occurred. And this is why communications were so difficult. If they had just taken a moment to say that one thing, right? Like we're all learning, we're all going through this together. That, that would have alleviated a lot of stress from a lot of people. I mean, you can look, you can easily get on social media and see people doing the back and forth, like memes with the back and forth that CDC did in the beginning. And it's right. like, they'd have just taken the time to say exactly what you said. Like, I think we'd have been in a much better place and would have reached that endemic status a lot sooner. 100% agree. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast. Follow us on social media and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Hickerson, at hopehickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your healthcare providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. Right.